Hey there, voice teacher. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast. On today's podcast, podcast number 38, I am talking about that very, very tricky parent-teacher relationship. If you are working with young singers, you are working with parents, whether you like it or not. Now, there are so many challenges here, and I have a lot of simple strategies and business ideas to help you build strong relationships with the people that you do business with and to build a strong community in your teaching studio. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, resources for private, classroom, and choral music programs. And here's your host, Nikki Loney. Welcome, voice teachers. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Nikki Loney from Full Voice Music. I am so glad that you found time in your crazy busy schedule to tune in and listen to a Full Voice podcast. If you are new to the podcast, it is all about strategies and teaching tips, all about Uh, working with young singers in our teaching studios. And today's topic is, uh, today's topic is a doozy. Um, But before I jump into that, I just want to shout out to this amazing, growing global audience that we have. We have teachers listening uh, and visiting our website from all over the world, wherever you are. Hello and welcome and thank you. Now, if you are listening to this podcast at time of release, we are mid-December. We are coming into the final weeks before the end of the year. And uh, I have to say I'm a little... I'm a little sung out. Uh, I've done a Christmas concert at my church. I've done a Christmas song sing-along also at my church. I have a few more weeks of teaching. Now, thankfully, this year I chose not to do a Christmas recital because I know my schedule is so busy in December. So this year I've moved my recital into January, and I'm really glad that I did that. Uh, But I know that after the Christmas break, it's going to be go, go, go to get everybody ready for the recital. So if you are... Uh, If you've survived a recital, or if you are about to survive a recital, or if you're planning ahead for recital, I hope all of that is going well. Uh, Be sure to check out our podcast about hosting great recitals. There's lots of great information on that. Now, I want to talk about this uh, topic today, um, the parent-teacher relationship in the private teaching studio. And I I have some confessions. I've actually wanted to do this podcast for a while. This has been on my podcast list for over a year. I think that navigating this relationship with the people that we do business with in the private teaching studio is very challenging, so many challenges. And I have postponed this topic over and over and over again. Yes, I've chickened out repeatedly because of the deep, dark corners you can fall into with this topic. There's a lot of, a lot of things that we have to be mindful of, a lot of things that um, we need to do in order to have healthy relationships with, with moms and dads. Uh, so no more, no more delays. Here we are. Let's, let's try to figure this all out. Now, uh, I know that this relationship causes a lot of stress with teachers, uh, because I lovingly troll 
and pay attention to the conversations on forums, Facebook forums, LinkedIn forums. And um, I know that a lot of teachers uh, will often have a lot to vent about, for sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure I would put money on the fact that all of us have been treated poorly at one time or another by a parent or by a client or even by a student. We could have a marathon podcast all about stories where we've been mistreated by people. And my husband tells me I've, uh, the, the memory on the computer allows me to talk for four days straight if I wanted to, but I don't want to. And, uh, and I know that people use forums as a place to kind of rant and, and kind of complain a little bit. And you know what? Yeah, good for you. But this podcast is about finding some solutions and some strategies because I really think that um, it's a two-way street. There's a lot of things that we can do to make these relationships better. And I like to think of our relationship like a team. Uh, students... Uh, our students that we love and adore um, really need mom and dad's support at home. And mom and dad need some help. Mom and dad's need support too. So I want to talk about that today. Um, now, a lot of this is about communication, uh, how we communicate with people. And you know what? Communication is difficult. Communication is not easy. With all of the methods of communication in this day and age, it's just gotten harder to get our message across. Um, the other challenge, too, is that this is a very unique relationship. This isn't just a business relationship. I mean, yes, you got to have your business game going on, but people aren't dropping off pants for drug cleaning. They're dropping off their kids for lessons. And um, we have an intimate relationship with our students. I adore my students. I seriously, seriously care so much about my kiddos and I don't think it is appropriate for me to have that kind of intimate relationship with a young person without knowing moms and dads. That, that's just something to think about. But I, I truly feel that way. Um, I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable with somebody getting to know my son really well and not knowing my first name. Just putting it out there. Anyhow, uh, so I always like to start these podcasts with a question, something to think about, something to ponder. So how would you define your relationship or relationships with the moms and dads that you have to deal with? Is it professional? Is it friendly? Is it distant? Do you keep them out of your studio? Is it uncomfortable? Do you have parents that text you and say, hey, I'm going to Starbucks. Can I get you anything? I love those parents. Do you have parents that are huge supporters of your teaching studio? They're out there telling everybody how incredible you are. I hope you have that in your teaching studio. Do you have that parent that you wish the earth would just open up and swallow and you never heard from them again? <laughs> yeah, I think we've all had those parents. So, uh, anyhow, I really want to share some, um, some great strategies. I, it only took me, I don't know, 23 years, but I finally feel that I have wonderful relationships with my, uh, with my families. Now that doesn't mean it's always been easy. And I have some new students this year that started with me in September and I'm still getting to figure them out. But I would say that just in the last few weeks, 
just in the last few weeks, I'm starting to feel really comfortable with them, with moms, with dads, and with the students. And I think they're starting to feel comfortable with me. And I'm really looking forward to what we can do in the new year and uh, all the things we can explore with their voices. So I want to just talk just briefly about some of the big challenges that we have when dealing with moms and dads, with families. Now, I want to start by saying, you know, this there are a lot of challenges. In fact, I have colleagues who will not work with kids because they don't want to work with moms and dads. And that's that's their biggest reason. They just don't want to deal with that extra relationship. And it is an extra relationship. I, I believe that we are a team and we need to support families. So I respect any teacher that can clearly define their um, ideal student, right, niche marketing, and know what challenges they do and they do not want to deal with. Like, I respect that. But let's talk about some of those big challenges. Well, the big one for all of us, all of us, teachers, parents, um, families are nuts. Families, no, not they're not nuts. Okay, well, some families are nuts. But families are crazy busy. Kids are doing more activities than ever. And if you've got more than one kid, often a parent is taking them to their gymnastics and another one's taking them to their vocal lesson. It is insane how much our our, our, our kids are scheduled. And we, we can talk about the pros and cons. That's not what this podcast is about. Um, but uh, I think it's important... Um, for teachers in this day and age to be mindful and respectful to the fact that families are busy. If we want parents to respect us and identify with the fact that we are very busy and our schedules are very busy, then we need to do the same thing. Two-way street. So we can really... um, We can do a lot in our teaching studios to make it easier for families to do business with us. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. The other challenge is that we have become a society that favors non-verbal communication. And if you haven't listened to any other podcasts, I am not a fan of email and texting communications. Those are the lousiest forms of communication. It is very difficult to... Um, to get your message across, to get the tone that you're trying to convey. If you are writing emails or if you are texting someone, you need to be spending some time and really reading that properly before you hit send. I have sent some very strange texts with weird autocorrect that I have regretted. I have sent some very quick emails that when I kind of read them back didn't make any sense. Like, I prefer face-to-face conversations. I think they can save us a lot of time. And I know people like texting and, and email because they think that it saves them time. But if you're like me and you listen to a lot of productivity podcasts, I love productivity podcasts, a lot of people are trying to move away from email. A lot of companies are using things like Slack, um, uh, these platforms for communicating that aren't email, because email is a massive, massive time suck. How many uh, hours a day do you spend responding to emails? It can get out of control. Now, 
Some of us, not naming any names, are not effective at setting business boundaries or communicating our terms of service or being assertive in our communication. So sometimes we let people take advantage of us because we're just afraid to say no. And I know that this is difficult. For those of you who are new to teaching, it gets easier. You will start to find ways. You might have to practice to say no. No, I'm not providing a makeup lesson. No, I don't offer that kind of service. No, I do not teach on Sundays. No, you cannot borrow my car. You know, strange requests like that. Now, sometimes, another challenge here, sometimes in our teaching studios, our goals, our vision, the teacher's expectations can be very different from that of parents. Now, I'm talking about the stage moms and dads. Oh, stage moms and dads get a lot of uh, forum time. There's a lot of teachers out there ranting about these unreasonable people. Now, I think I have a different perspective on stage moms and dads. And um, I think the reason for that is my dad, I guess, if I looked at the definition of a stage dad, was the ultimate stage dad. Um, But I I owe my dad a lot. Uh, My dad was my champion. He supported me from day one. Uh, He worked well, I think, I think, with my teachers. He was very respectful. He found good teachers for me. Um, And he knew that I wasn't good at asking questions. Uh, So he would sit in on lessons. And the other other reason that he did this is my dad was a singer. And he was interested. He was sincerely interested in what my teachers were teaching me. He found it interesting. He liked to sing. So he, he knew that I wasn't good at asking questions and he would advocate for me. And, and you know what? When I was like 12, I did not appreciate it. But I do now. I'm glad he was there. I'm glad he, he was my champion. And, you know, what was really good is that um, as I got older, as singing became something that was going to be a career for me and my goals got more specific and my career path got clearer, um, I'm really glad that my dad was there because some of the teachers that I worked with were not a good fit. And I would have never spoken up. There were teachers that just weren't serving my goals. So... I think we I think we can let up on st- some stage moms and dads. Now, personally, and this is just me and my teaching studio, I would much rather work with stage moms and dads than the parents who are not supportive. I would give me a stage mom and dad any day. The parents that drop off, aren't interested, not supportive. The parents that say to me, "Oh, we're just signing up for fun." No, thank you. I would much rather have a parent that is at home and is willing to support their child than the one that has just not there. That's my personal preference. Now, the other challenge that I believe is um, a big one, now we did have a podcast about this, is transfer students. Sometimes families are used to a different studio 
policy, different teaching style. Maybe the teacher they had before you wasn't very good with accounting and didn't, you know, expect payment on time. So again, this is a communication thing where we have to indoctrinate these new families into our way of doing business. And that can be challenging. It can be awkward. So there's a lot of other challenges. Those are the big ones. Um, and we're going to kind of focus on those today. But I have two check-in points here. Okay. So two things that I want you to check in with uh, when we're dealing with our clients, when we're dealing with the people that we do business points. The first one, and this is something we have to check in for everything, but our mindset yeah, what's our mindset towards families, to, towards moms and dads? So if you are, generally speaking, approaching the parent-teacher relationship with a negative mindset, like, i.e., parents are a pain in the butt and I never allow them in the teaching studio, I really want to challenge you here. I'm, I want to challenge you here. I know that you probably had bad experiences with parents, but that's a blanket statement. And most parents really want to be part of the team. And I would like you to flip that around. How would you feel if you were not welcome? Hmm. How would you feel if, if you people just wanted you to pay a bill and not have a say or not ask questions? I, didn't, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Now, I know that there are there are some industries, like the dance industry is very much like that. We signed up our son when he was little for like, what was it? Oh, it was hip hop. Superhero hip hop dance class. So the kids could dress in costumes and then they learned hip hop because Noah really liked to dance. But we get to the studio. We're not allowed to watch. There's like, there's like, curtains on the on the on the windows there's not a nice waiting room we're not allowed to talk to the teacher if we have any questions we're supposed to go to an administrator and our son's really young he's like four and it lasted for about three weeks and it made both Sean and I so uncomfortable that we pulled him out I just I was like I don't I don't know how to support him I don't know how to cheer him on I don't know what to do at home I don't know the name of his teacher she doesn't know my name either we're out of here now, I know that that's standard in some industries, but that's not cool with me. And um, yeah, I, I, really, I really like to think about the other person's perspective when I'm doing business with them. And, you know, this is a podcast about sharing strategies to make moms and dads feel welcome. I think we need to have a team mindset community mindset. And I think it's really important. Our kids need support. So they need support from moms and dads to be successful in music lessons. And moms and dads need support. Non-musical moms and dads may not know what to do. And you know, when you're approaching things like recitals and the kids are nervous, the kids are stressed out and nervous. Guess what? So are moms and dads. They need our help. So I want them to know that they're welcome and that they can answer questions. And I'm here to support the family, not just the student. So I think, and many of my colleagues, we had a wonderful conversation the other day with some of my piano uh, colleagues from our registered music teachers branch. Uh, A lot of my colleagues, we talked about the fact that a big part of our job is supporting moms and dads. They need our guidance. They need some help. 
Um, and you know, I, I want to share another little personal story when, um, so both my husband and I are professional private music teachers. Uh, my husband has been teaching for almost three decades. When our son was old enough to sign up for, uh, piano lessons. Okay. And I'm a private teacher. Sean's a private teacher. Um, our son made that practicing thing a nightmare. He was not interested. Now I know all the all the techniques that I tell my parents, and I used every single one of them. And my son made our lives miserable. And the one big takeaway from this is that sometimes we forget the kids can make it really hard. So moms and dads need our support. So that is a big part of our job. So I really hope if you have that mindset where you don't want parents involved, I hope you'll give that some thought. I hope that you'll flip that relationship around and see how it would feel on your end. The other checkpoint, the other checkpoint, and this is a big one, beware the false narrative. What's a false narrative? Those are those stories that we start ruminating in our head. We have a little bit of information, not all of the information, and we let our emotions and our fears and our worries kind of wrap around the story. And we get all worked up about these false ideas of what is actually going on. Let me give you a quick example of a recent false narrative. So at the end of last year, in May, I had a family that had not paid for a few months. Shame on me. I did not keep on top of my accounting. And you know, I've talked about that in podcasts. So totally my fault. Now, what was happening was the daughter, uh, the, my student was sick quite a bit. So she missed a lot of lessons. So I assumed, I didn't have any facts here. I just started thinking that, oh, they're not paying me for all those missed lessons, even though my policy says that you are to pay for missed lessons. And I started getting all worked up. It started keeping me up at night. I was convinced that not only were they not going to pay me for any of those missed lessons, that they probably weren't going to return in the fall, and they were going to rip me off. I had this whole false narrative, this crazy story going on. So about mid-October, or no, mid-August, you know, I'm trying to get things started up for September again. So I decide to send, uh, and by the way, I'd sent tons of emails I kept sending email invoices. Oh, you owe this. You owe this. Sent out the emails. My system, my, I use my music staff, sending out those invoices. Didn't hear back. Didn't get any money. Didn't get payment. So I'm pretty, I'm like, and at this point, you guys are going to laugh or be really disappointed. Uh, they owed me almost $500. That's how far behind they were. So of course, it just got uglier and uglier. And I was convinced that A, they hated me. B, they were going to rip me off. C, um, they were discontinuing lessons, but they weren't even going to tell me. Like the, the story got pretty intense. So I finally got the courage up. Mostly it was anger fueled to, to call. And I said, uh, I'm just checking in to see if she's coming back for lessons in the fall. And they were like, yes, of course, of course, you know, and we've got all these great things planned and she's got these performance opportunities. We really need your help on this new song. And the dad's all excited. And I'm thinking, wait a second, what's going on here? And I said, um, you know that there's an outstanding balance on your account. Like I've been sending invoices 
And he was like, oh my goodness, I am so sorry. Uh, my company changed email servers and was rebranded. So we all have new email addresses. I said, he goes, it happened back in May. I'm so, so sorry. And he paid the bill immediately. And I felt like a big dope. That, my friends, is the false narrative. I know you've done it. We all do it. We all get worked up about things that are not true. And it's all based on our fears and our anxieties and just a little bit of information. Beware the false narrative. I truly believe that most parents are not up to uh, that much misery. Like, I think we need to, um, uh, again, open the lines of communication and do a better job of getting the information before we get all worked up. So, are you thinking right now about the false narratives that you've had? Now, that's not to say, like, sometimes, sometimes, like, the things like bad things happen. But most times, it, it doesn't work the way we think it's going to work. Now, I want to talk about some of the strategies that we can do to make this relationship really great. So we're talking about turning, you know, parents, allies, not enemies. Okay. So a lot of this is repeat information that you probably would have gotten from another podcast. Maybe it's common sense business stuff that you know, deep down inside. So the first thing, like I mentioned a little bit before, clearly market and define what your teaching studio is all about. So uh, making sure you're marketing your branding um, attracts your dream student. That was one of our first podcasts, attracting your dream students. Well, with your dream students comes really awesome parents. Get to know them too. They're a package. They're a package deal. But make sure you're putting out the message of who you want to work with because that's going to make your life a lot easier. They, they, there's different types of, of teaching studio environments. So again, send that message out and let people know what you and your teaching studio is about and you're going to find awesome people that make you happy. Now, the other, the other strategy, and again, I think this is so important, make sure you screen potential families. Now, I have a colleague, I love her to death. She says that she doesn't audition her students. She auditions the moms and dads. She wants to know how supportive they are. She wants to know what kind of environment they are creating at home for their children. She wants to know if they are just too overscheduled to really commit to what her teaching studio is about. And I love that. It's not about the child's ability. It's about the parent's ability to support. And I think that is important. Um, so, and again, I know this is a bit of a time, uh, a, a time suck, but, you know, spending some time, you know, chatting with people on the phone isn't a bad idea. Sitting down for an interview uh, is not a bad idea. Um, again, without making a guarantee that, that they have a spot, um, I think it's a good practice to say, well, you know what, I, I might have some openings coming up. Can I get to know a little bit about what you're looking for to make sure that I'm the right teacher for you? That's a better way to approach it rather than just taking people on and expecting them to cater to you. That's not going to work out sometimes. Um, I also believe that it is really, really important to get to know moms and dads 
and their 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 students their, or their child, um, and most importantly, inquire what they want from lessons. And are you able to, and are you willing to serve their needs? Are you able to teach to their goals? Um, do you have the, it's my way or the highway kind of attitude? Now, business boundaries, yes, but how we address the needs of our students, I think we can have some conversation about that and some flexibility in that. Teaching to the students goals and needs is really important. So if moms and dads and students have an idea of what they want, um, can we work with them? I think that's really, really important. Now, the other strategy, and again, I know for some of you, this is going to not be your favorite strategy, but I really want you to check in with your open door policy. I think, especially for young students under the age of 12, uh, we need to have moms and dads in the lesson, at least in the beginning. The first few months of private vocal vocal lessons, I think, are awkward. Um, like I said, I've got some new students in my teaching studio. They started in September. I'm just starting to feel comfortable. I'm starting to see them relax with me. I know the mom and dad. I know the mom and dad know my name. How many of your parents don't know your name? You'd be surprised. I ask, I ask my friends on the playground when I'm picking up my son, who's your music teacher and what's their name? Do you know how many of my friends do not know the first and or last name of the music teacher that works with their kids? And yes, I shame them. They're my friends. They're cool with it. Anyhow, um, I really encourage having parents in the studio so they can ask questions. Families new to music lessons have lots of questions. They have not established practicing routines. It's probably not going to go very well. I find that practicing for our vocal students is much different than practicing for a piano student. Um, a lot of a lot of our vocal students want to go and hide. So I want to see that they get comfortable singing in front of mom and dad in the lesson studio. I don't think practicing is going to go very well if our students aren't comfortable singing for mom and dad. Now, many of my colleagues will say, but the kids are so uncomfortable when moms and dads are in there. That's okay. That's okay. That, a little bit of un awkwardness and uncomfortableness is okay. We don't have to avoid that. In fact, I don't think we should avoid that. Um, I really think that we need to give time to our families to get to know us, to see what we do with our students in the lesson. Now, once I get to know moms and dads, once I'm comfortable with the student, they're more than welcome to drop off the student or go sit in the lounge. I have a little sitting room. Um, there's another room just down the hall from, from my teaching studio that families can, if they need to work or make a phone call, they can go there. Um, but I think that uh, I really want to get to know them. I, I want them to see how, how I work with their kids. And on many occasions, many, many occasions, um, I find that parents are able to recognize before we are when the student might be uncomfortable, when the student might have a question and is holding back and not asking that question like I was when I was a kid, I wouldn't ask my teacher anything. 
so I think moms can and dads can really help out the students and help them find their way and and get comfortable. Um, so that is that is one of the things I, I really really want people to check in with. Can you open that door? Can you welcome moms and dads in so they can see what you can do? Now, for my my wonderful friends out there who are introverts and that makes you really uncomfortable, I get that. I do. I mean, I don't. No, I do. I do. Okay, so here's the thing. I, if you haven't figured it out, I am like an extra extrovert. I can overwhelm a statue. But um, I do appreciate that um, there are times where we are uncomfortable and we feel like we have to perform for people and be on, you know, be, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, the way we have to be on, we have to be performing. And I, I, I don't think we need to look at it like that. I think that what you're doing in your teaching studio is probably really incredible. I think that you have some amazing information to share. And I don't think you should be insecure about that at all, says the extrovert who could overwhelm statue. Anyhow, um, so for those of you that really feel uncomfortable with moms and dads in there, I appreciate that. But I do think that if they get to know you and you get to know them, there's so many uh, more opportunities um, for us to work together in the future. Now, what about the not supportive parents? What about the parents that say negative things to their children about their singing. I think we've all had those parents. You know, uh, that didn't sound very good, or, oh, you're always singing flat, or... I, I've, I've dealt with a handful of those. And um, I believe that these are the parents that need our support. Some of, them, some of them might need a swift kick in the butt, but I think most parents have good intentions. And when they speak out like that, I believe that it's more of their issues that they're expressing than that of their children. And again, I think this is a teaching opportunity and a learning opportunity. We need to remind parents that things like that can really affect a child, um, a student of any age. Um, I ha and and I again I don't think they're trying to do it maliciously. I don't think most parents set out to sabotage their children's efforts, but they truly just don't understand the instrument. So it's a great opportunity for us to explain, hey, okay, we're dealing with a young voice, and we can geek out a little bit about some of the anatomy, about some of the things that are happening with the voice, and why it might not be sounding as great as you would like. And if you haven't checked out Dana's podcast, podcast number 37, she talks about this. So being able to share that information with parents can really, can really help. Um, and yes, I've had that awkward conversation with a mom and a dad saying, you know, I know you're trying to help, but we need to approach this a different way because saying things like that are really hurtful. And I will never, ever be able to help your child find their voice if you say things in that way. And again, awkward conversation, not going to lie, but it's an important thing. And again, I believe those parents need our help. And I, I'm not afraid 
to let them know. Again, it's being assertive. I have to let them know that what they're doing is not helpful. I'm going to do it professionally. I'm going to do it in a kind way. Uh, and then I'm going to go on a forum and rant about it. But no, no, no. <laughs> but I, again, I know that you've all dealt with this. I don't believe that pushing a parent out of the studio and keeping them out of the studio is going to prevent that from happening at home. The only way that we can prevent that from happening is by addressing it. Now, will this upset somebody? Maybe. But I'm okay with that. I really think it's important to create a supportive and and tell our parents and show our parents how to support their kids. They might not understand. So, For those of you dealing with those kind of parents, I feel your pain. I know how awkward it is, but you can help to create a a better relationship about the activity that the, the child is involved in. And one of the things, too, that I have often told parents, and I'm glad that they're in the room, is I've told them that, you know what, your child needs a private practice space and you're not to be in it. And often my, my singers will smile like nothing else. And I explain to them, you know, my husband and I are both professional performers. We've been singing our and playing instruments our entire life. But we don't like practicing when the other one is home. So if a professional musician needs a private space to practice, imagine what a child needs. Like, give them some space. Again, this is another way that we can help our students and help moms and dads to provide a supportive space, but also give them their space, their privacy. So that's another conversation that I like to have with moms and dads. And you know what? Most parents can can relate to that. Okay, I, I see. That makes sense. Now, the other thing that I like to do with my families... And I have to say, like I said, it's only taken me 24 years, but I I have great families in my teaching studio right now. But I do like to go out of my way and let new families know that they are welcome and that I'm excited that they are there and I am thankful for the opportunity to work with their kids. So at recitals, I always make a big deal about my first-time performers. I always welcome the families and, and welcome them to the teaching studio and to our community and celebrate those first performances. I make sure that I follow up with moms and dads after first performances. I think that is so important because if there's any... Um, you know, if there's any issues, I want to deal with them right away, face to face. We want to talk about it in the teaching studio. Um, but I really like to communicate to parents that I, I do value them and their business and their support and that I want them to know that they are an important team member and that we all work together. So um, if I have teenagers, now with my teenagers, I do believe that they do need some privacy in the teaching studio for sure. Um, But I still ask parents to check in at least once a month um, to hear what the the, uh, kids are working on. And again, to answer some questions, to offer some strategies, to help them, you know, fix some practicing issues at home or to talk about, you know, some opportunities, especially when my students get older and they might be interested in careers in or post-secondary music programs, then moms and dads need to hear 
what is expected because a lot of parents do not understand how much work is required. They do not understand the audition process in major universities. Um, a lot of parents have make the assumption that it's just based on marks that they get in high school, and we all know that that is not the case. There's auditions that they have to prepare for. So again, parents really have to get uh, um, uh, involved and help the students make sure that they obviously that they're practicing, that they're prepared, that they have the right materials, that they've done their theory. So again, uh, shutting out parents during that really important time is not a good plan. We need to work together. It's a big deal preparing for post-secondary. So again, face-to-face conversations, having parents in the teaching studio. I like to show parents like this is what's going to happen in an audition. And I'll take them through a mock audition. A lot of parents really appreciate that. And again, they can support their children at home, help them get prepared for that big audition. That is so important. And again, my students that have decided to go into post-secondary for vocal, um, have uh, always done well. And I truly believe it's because we've worked together with moms and dads, Um, whether it's performing their audition pieces in front of them, whether it is just discussing their schedules and how they're going to fit in practicing. And that's another thing too, right? Our kiddos, uh, even our older teenagers, are still learning about time management. And uh, they need guidance with time management, just planning your schedule out. So again, we can help moms and dads in that, in that facet as well. So there we are. Um, the last thing I'd like to say about moms and dads and uh, getting along with them, turning them from enemies into allies, is that... Um, Take time in your schedule to reach out to the parents that you don't see very often. A little email, a little tiny email, like with just a positive message, can go so far. Uh, It could be as simple as, had one incredible lesson today. We really, really uh, accomplished a lot. Or she's singing beautifully. Or I can't wait to see you guys at the recital. She's singing an amazing song. Those little comments and feedback can really go a long way. Um, When my son uh, went to junior kindergarten, uh, it was actually a really stressful time for my husband and I because we didn't get anything but negative feedback for a few months. And we were not happy. Um, The only time the teacher talked to us was to tell us that he had had a meltdown or he'd had an accident or he got upset with another child. And we started to feel that there was this huge problem And we were very stressed out and school was a very stressful thing for us. And then one day, the ECE, the early childhood educator, so in Canada, the uh, junior kindergarten and senior kindergarten are large classes. There is a teacher and there is an ECE. Now, one day, the ECE took a moment out of her busy day to tell me a wonderful thing about my son. 
She told me that they sat together at lunch and he told her a story about his friends that he has at church. And she thought that he was just lovely and that he was doing really well. And I have to tell you, it was maybe a 45 second conversation and it made me so happy. I skipped home. I called my husband. I called Sean and I said, guess what? And he was happy. So sometimes just a little bit of feedback, positive feedback can go a long way. And it can open the door to a a bigger conversation, more understanding, more appreciation for all the amazing things that we do with our students in the teaching studio. So I I hope I have inspired you. I hope the next time you see that parent that makes you a little uncomfortable, you'll you'll open the door. Maybe invite them in. And um, as always, I am wishing you an amazing day of teaching and happy singing. You have been listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and free teacher resources, please visit our website at www.thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca.